Welcome to Running It Back, the Sports and Lessons Learned podcast with Tarlin Ray and Mike Palmer. Tarlin, how are you? I'm actually a little sad. Because we're at the penultimate episode. That of, is the reason why I'm a little sad. Yeah, penultimate is also an excellent word. It's it, the it second is. I was sec- trying to, trying to sec- write it down. I couldn't spell it, but go yeah, on. Yeah, second to last. It's the second to last edition of the Last Dance Breakdown shows of running it back. But we're still in discussions about maintaining this dynamic, continuing to talk about lessons learned from basketball, lessons learned from sports documentaries. We'll figure it out, but there's a lot to learn from The Last Dance, which is chronicling the the 1990s Bulls, the Michael Jordan experience. That's what we're going to talk about now, second to last edition of breaking down that and then tbd maybe we continue to run it back maybe after that we'll see the next the next big release they pushed up the release of the hamilton movie so maybe that's maybe that's (laughs) it's all within the world of possibility but right now we want to talk about episodes seven and eight of the last dance lots going on you know so a little wistful but also you got to enjoy what you got while you got it you know if the last dance teaches us anything it's that when you have something special, enjoy. If it's on a Mother's Day and you yeah. say, remember, yeah. I'll be on the couch from six to eight. <laughs> your daughter says, yeah. it's not Father's Day. You right. say, oh, maybe I should take it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It was a bit of a trap game for fathers who cared about the last dance, but also cared about uh, the women and the mothers in their lives. So uh, good job by us that we're doing this. We were able yeah. to watch episodes seven and eight, respectively. And in terms of the saga, it was a bit of a trap game for Jordan too, right? This is for the hero's quest to be realized through the, the Michael Jordan and also the, the supporting cast around the 90s Bulls. They had to face some adversity and there was plenty of adversity to be faced in uh, episodes seven and eight, you know, going right into Jordan leaving basketball to pursue his dream of baseball. Your worst fears are being realized, Tarlin. And then his return to the Bulls in 1995, which then heads into the first of the, the second three-peat in 96. So like that's the, that's the main flashback period that's covered. And then if you're looking at where he is in the 1998 season, it, it heads right into the series with Reggie Miller and the Indiana Pacers. A, a veritable cornucopia of 90s basketball nostalgia for me. For me, it made me want to play NBA Jam again. But I don't know, where where are you at? You said Jam, so why don't we go Space Jam? Oh my God, let's go Space Jam, yeah. Because Daughters ran across the movie a week ago and decided to watch Space Jam. I'm like, I'm yeah. all in. Mm-hmm. They're asking questions, who's that tall guy? Who's the short yeah. guy? See yeah, that yeah. Muggsy, little Sean Bradley. Yeah. But then to find out what was happening behind the scenes. So this is, if you talk about the 92... Olympic team in Monaco having the best basketball ever right, that no one right. ever saw. Yeah. This is the other, this is another game that no one ever knew about. Yeah. Where Warner Brothers built a gym for yeah. Jordan. All right. And people descended in from everywhere mm-hmm. to go players. Play. Players. Yeah. Players. No, no, no fans. Players. Yeah. Miller. Right. Ewing. 
Ja- Jawan Howard looking pretty Jawan fit. Jawan Howard looking like he is a fat fiver, a true <laughs> exactly. fat fiver. The yeah. longest, by the way, the longest, he, he lasted in the, in the pros longer than any of the fat fivers, yeah. right? Yeah, would yeah, yeah. Would you have said that when you were looking at that squad? Right. Probably not. But just amazing that they said Jordan just goes to his energy level, but film all day, then play at seven at night for a couple of few hours and yeah. then left. Right. And people thought he was a, a freak show. I, I did read an article. I'm a UCLA Bruin fan, diehard. Yeah. Bruins had just come off winning the national right. championship. Is that the Tyus Edney uh, O'Bannon? Tyus Edney O'Bannon, Charles O'Bannon, yeah. Toby Bailey, George yes. Zedek. Okay, that's that's a deep cut. I wouldn't have gone there. Yeah, Cameron yeah. Dollar. Do you want me to? I, I, well, I'll, Cameron that, Dollar, I, I vaguely remember because that's a good name. Yeah, yeah. Chris Johnson, Marcus Johnson's son. Yeah, was didn't get off the bench. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. like three points. Yeah, he he played in that run, and he was one of Jordan's favorite guys. And it because, was this was this before the Drew League? Because you hear about the Drew League all the time. So there used to be, and I didn't know about the Drew League growing up. The men's gym at UCLA. Yeah. was where all the pros went to go play. Got it. So I think the Drew League probably was around. I knew less about it, but it was more in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. But it's just fascinating to hear about those runs. And, and Jordan, after losing right, yeah. Yeah. in the Eastern Conference Finals, right. to, one of his, to a guy he hates losing to in Horace Grant, right. was also using it as a way to start picking up on people's tendencies. Yes. I was using the way to, to get ready for the next season. There is that shot of him sitting right underneath the basket, just going to school on how these, how these guys are playing. And Make also Miller like go left. Make Miller and, go exactly. left. And like they're playing, it's like the way you would play pickup. You know, like you could actually watch runs before you get back on. Oh, yeah. And then just see. Well, how- I often was on the court. I didn't lose. So is that what you did when you? <laughs> no, I was just going into like, <laughs> I would show up late. You would also show up early. You know, like yeah, so you would you would course. you win the first run. I would be more established about, dominance early. And yeah, then you go for me, it's more like just like you want to make your last shot. You wanna you want to win the twilight run. You know, you <laughs> want to win the run before before the the, the pickup game ends. But uh, but my God, like, well, I think we're jumping ahead though, right? So in terms sorry, of, you just you asked me. You said Jay, no. It's like, good. It's good. It's all good. But uh, but there's so much stuff in here because it covers the the interregnum. There you go. I'm dropping the vocabulary. But between... For all your students not taking the SAT this year. <laughs> exactly. You got <laughs> to have a little go. free time. You might as well learn some vocabulary, right? But uh, between Jordan's wins, the, the Olajuwon years, which yeah. is why, like, Akeem's out there. Is there a reason why Jordan shied away from Akeem? Because they never, they never went head-to-head, right? No. And that is an interesting gap. But when Jordan receded, Akeem... Is it Hakeem or Hakeem? Like he he went through a bunch of iterations I it was of his Hakeem. 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 All right. And if there's various Hakeem, Hakeem Ayers was a linebacker for the UCLA Bruins and played yeah. in the pros. This is right, right. Hakeem. But Olajuwon ascended when Jordan exited. Pippen also ascended, but not quite to the heights, right? So we cover what happened in the ninety the ninety-four Bulls. And then by the time the 95 Bulls came around, they were actually in decline until Jordan came back from baseball. So getting that chronology together, like my memory of the 90s is a lot better. And it's just a sign that as we get older, like it's not that you forget stuff. It's just that more barnacles accumulate on the hull of your ship. There's more stuff that you remember from the 2000s. There's plenty of years. But once you see this stuff, it brings it back 
crystal clear. I forgot all about Gary Payton and Sean Kemp, the 96 season. That's a vintage. That's a legendary finals. You know, where do you want to go next? You talk about 94. I mean, yeah. so yeah. if we run back the tape, yeah. I said, I hoped that we wouldn't cover a lot of baseball. We did. And actually we covered in a way that you felt like you knew a little bit more about Michael. You, yes. you predicted a little bit more Kerr. But I do think we need to talk about Pippen, who had an amazing season, yeah. top three in MVP voting, right. first team all NBA, mm-hmm. led the Bulls in every single stat that could be that you can think of. And his scoring and, only went up a few points, right? It's the league leading, I think he's the league leading scorer. He's up there, Jordan, every year. You know, you lose yep. that scoring and then – Pippen doesn't just step, he, he, he picks up three points a game himself, but then his distribution improves. They genuinely are running the triangle, the legendary triangle. You More democratized approach to basketball. Yeah, there's a lot, you know, a lot about team dynamics to be learned from that season. Sure, until yeah. the end. Until the end, right? So then they're in the playoffs. Playoffs? You're talking playoffs. to me about playoffs? Playoffs. They're in the playoffs. They're playing the transcendent 1994 New York Knicks, a juggernaut of a team. You know, you got, you got Ewing in his prime. I'll try not to laugh. Keep going. You got, you got Starks. That's the Derek Harper team, right? This, yep. is, this is a team that has it's Oakley, a young Anthony Mason. There's depth. Was Alan and, Houston on that team? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. He's coming. But, uh, but this is still, you know, the Knicks – Ewing has his team, uh, his, it, they're the closest thing to the Pistons. Closest to the bad boys. Since the Pistons. They don't, they don't care what you think about them. They are tough. They have an amazing fan base, believe it or not, that is still, playing in the garden. Yep. still slumbering, but Madison Square Garden is rocking. There's some legendary games, and the, the Eastern Conference Finals – Pippen and a Jordanless Bulls versus an ascendant Ewing team for the right to play Elijahwan in the finals. And Pippen stepped it up. MJ's watching from Birmingham. You know, he's trying to get his baseball game together. He's just a fan. And Pippen and Kukoc, who we covered last go around, you know, two top scorers on that team, probably. Kukoc was number two. Yeah, yeah. And then Kukoc, also a big game shooter. He's not the category stuffer that you, that you, that you know about with, with, with Scotty. Phil's calling up the play. He's, he's, the, he's the Zen master. 1.8 seconds left. Paint us a picture, Tarlin. What's, what's your take here? And instead of if Michael was there, Michael always getting the ball. Yeah. Phil ran a play so that Tony could get the last shot. And Pippen... Yeah. Not even a deco on the court right. is going to be the one to pass the ball in. Right. And this is 1.8 seconds left. So, like, there's no time to pass. Beyond the first pass, whoever catches the ball, maybe they could get the a dribble. Shoot. Maybe, maybe a dribble, probably not. Right? Probably just yep. catch, catch, and shoot because you don't want to – I don't know, this is probably pre-replay. But, like, the 1.8 seconds, not a lot. Oh, this might have been around the, the Reggie Miller, you know, scoring like eight points in eight seconds. Whole other story. But regardless, it's against the Knicks. Score was tied, right? That's that's also the yes. So the score was tied. They were going to go to overtime. 
Knicks were feeling strong because Knicks had won the first two games. This was to go up 3 nothing. It was game three. Yep. Scotty's supposed to inbound the ball to, to Tony, Tony because they the thought Phil shot. thought, and as Tony said, I had a I had several last second shots during the year. Yeah. Phil thought they had a great matchup there. Right. At Pippen, the best passer on the team mm-hmm. in his mind, could get mm-hmm. Tony the ball. Mm-hmm. Tony could get a shot off. And he's tall enough that he, you know, he's not gonna have trouble. Six eleven, long arms, getting the lefty. ball in there. Yeah, no. yeah. So no, Pippen easy to get in. Yeah. Find, you know, run some action away from Tony. Yeah. And get the ball over his shoulder and take a shot. Sounds like a great play. So this is sure. basically a story of this amazing play that Phil, the Zen master, wrote up. But, but surprise, and for me as a Knicks fan watching this game, I remember seeing this unfold before my eyes where I was like, oh, my God, Pippen is, is not going the game. He's not coming in. I was elated as a Knicks fan. I was like, this is amazing. They're they're devolving in front of me. Exactly. We're just going to sweep the series. And then and then I had to go back to the videotape on this. Pete Myers off the bench. Phil puts Pete in to sub for Scotty Pippen and he, 1.8 seconds left. This guy was ready. L- nice little nice loft uh, on this over the over the shoulder pass. It's like Perfect. a little Football, like it's a red zone pass with touch. Oh yeah, to Kukoc, catches the ball probably about fifteen feet out, something like that. Yep, just outside the, just inside the, just maybe it's outside the elbow, maybe maybe seven, maybe sixteen feet, seventeen feet, something like that. But like a little, a little bunny. If you're a shooter, you call that like a a little bunny mid range. Catches the ball. Turn cash money. So sweet. Game, game over. Well, that, and then imagine. But like, I mean, that, did that right? That was game because that ended game the game. Because because the Knicks game thought Knicks thought they were going to overtime in Chicago, and had they gone to overtime after Pippen sat out, we just felt like we would just smoke them. Right. Game over. Yeah. And I can't imagine. And it's it's really interesting hearing from Bill Cartwright's perspective. B.J. Armstrong, most people don't realize he was an all-star after, after oh, Jordan left. Yeah. Was Horace Grant. Right. But to have your number one player pout and quit on the team yeah. because he didn't like the last play right. is one of the worst things. You expect <laughs> that from Robin, but not from Batman, right? It's one of the worst things ever. And he rationalized in the moment, Yeah, wanted to be a decoy, and then had an opportunity years later right. to say what he would have done. Right. And he said, I probably would have done the same thing. Same oh guy, same guy who had the migraine play, right? I buy the migraine. Listen, he what do you it was No, I'm just saying it was a chance for him to, to erase memories sure. of prior discre- prior indiscretions. He's he would a- have said, forget about it, man. But the thing is, like, it was the right play to call because Kukoc hit the shot. Get the shot, any in. Pippen would have gotten a shot that would have been imagine running to, not away from the ball, yeah, to run towards the action, yeah. More likely than not, needed to get one dribble and right. a fall away. Right. Tony turned over his shoulder and shot a lefty shot straight on. It oh, was the yeah. right call. Yeah. So then I would be apoplectic. I I I've gone into in high school, won games where we've won by a little bit. 
yeah. and had guys in the locker room joking and laughing. I've got, I've tore into them, yeah. even though we won. Yeah, I couldn't, I wouldn't, couldn't even imagine what I would do if the guy that you rely on, the guy that you've run hills with, yeah, yeah, doing sprints with, right, you've lifted with, you travel with, you know better. It's your brother, yeah, puts on you, right. And then, and then Bill Cartwright cries, right. So that's where the senior leadership. And let's translate all this into. I kind of wish corporate America worked this way. I wish. <laughs> I wish like it's like a leadership meeting, like somebody just says, I'm out. And then the, the team tries to have the meeting and the meeting sucks. And then afterwards, somebody's crying because Scotty didn't show up for the leadership meeting. Right. Like that level of just raw, <laughs> authentic dynamics is what's missing from corporate America. And I mean, in its best moments, it does get that emotionally raw, but, but that also becomes like, then it's an HR problem and it's a liability and whatever. But like, I just think the level to which it's a morality play for how humans can work together. And then the fact that some of these stories fall short. So then that team wins that game. They wind up playing a competitive series, but they still lose to the Knicks in seven, right? But still, they're down Jordan. And that team got to game seven against the Knicks, they would have gone on to play Olajuwon. I don't know if they'd have beaten that Olajuwon team because that Rockets team was really good. Team, but also just shows that Pippen was a baller, but Phil's a good coach. Mm-hmm. Phil's a good coach. I don't care what anyone says. He had talent. But so, with that team, yeah. yeah. So I think we landed in the right place. So Scotty, this was very much about Scotty, but it was also about Michael. And I, I did get it, like, I let you know, I did get a chance to get into, like, the hot take machine a little bit this week. And it was also about the way in which Jordan drove his teams to win results in teammates who don't really love him, you know? So, like, they, appre- it's, they appreciate what he did. And they appreciate him as the greatest of all times and the fact that they had a chance to win with him. But if they, if they were to admit that they love him, it's not the level of love they would have had for a different leadership style. He, he was both the greatest of all time and he was a bully. And, and that, to me, what that brings me to, and I would still call him the goat, not LeBron, but LeBron is less of a bull. LeBron's team vibe is somewhere between the way Scotty led the team and the way Michael leads the team. And I would say in terms of lessons learned for those of us on the outside, those of us who are trying to analogize to like corporate dynamics or just team dynamics that are, are good. I think there's a lot to break down around how LeBron has matured and evolved to develop a style that's very different from Michael's. And I know we don't want to get into LeBron versus Michael in terms of their basketball game, but in terms of, do you want to win with LeBron or do you want to win with Michael? I think that's an interesting question. Which, which sort of team would you, would you thrive in? And then would you look back on afterwards and say, I love that guy. That guy got me somewhere I didn't expect to go. I think so, that's an interesting question. Yeah. So if you're with LeBron, because yeah. LeBron has been this way. I still remember seeing LeBron's team travel into LA I saw him play against Compton when he was in high school yeah and 
even then the best you could see the most dominant player on the court he was always finding guys mm-hmm. when they're open yeah to me that's going back to the corporate world it's giving someone who has their skill set giving them agency to do things so he was yeah. giving them ability to have that light shine on them and see if they can perform mm-hmm. so in lebron you know that you're gonna a lot of people would if, if they're free agents they're gonna go play with lebron because they know they're gonna get the ball yeah, yeah. they're gonna have a chance right so that's great but michael you hate him yeah it's a hard time being around him yeah but i think LeBron helps people with confidence uh, be more confident. I think you would be a better player spending it two years with Michael. Yeah. You would be with LeBron. It would force you to work out in a different way. And granted, LeBron is a workout fiend as well. Right. right. I was just, that's what I've been thinking about. You love to play with LeBron, but I'm wondering if you took the same person and they spent two years with both leaders. Yeah. Someone they when they matriculate to go to the next team as a free yeah. agent. Yeah. Who would be a better player? Who would be right. a better pro? Right. Eventually, Scott Burrell, after his one year, yeah, is a, was a better pro. Spending time, he's in nine years in the pros. Better time that one year with Michael because of what he went through. Watched right. one of the greatest players of all time. Yeah. And realized where his deficiencies were. But I wonder, Scotty or or Tony or B.J. Armstrong, if they played with a LeBron. It does remind me a little bit of like Scotty to me is a precursor to LeBron in a really interesting way. Mm. And LeBron was asked to lead from the start, and Scotty was asked to take a back seat from the start. And like whether it was how much he was getting paid, his relationship to Jordan, even when he was playing in '94, you know, he was still looking to Jordan to, you know. I guess that was before 95 when he was actually saying, Mike, I need you back. We're not, we're not going to get there without you. But at least in 94, it was a little bit like, almost like LeBron in Cleveland, you know, where it's like, by virtue of this guy, second time in Cleveland, by virtue of this guy who knows how to win, who knows how to distribute, it isn't all about him. You know, <laughs> he won with J.R. Smith, right? I mean, there, there is, he won with, with Kyrie, who's notoriously ball dominant, like notoriously selfish. And he was able to kind of blend into the chemistry there. And again, I'm going to let go on the, the LBJ thing because this is about Jordan. But I do think it was interesting to think about Scotty, like 94 Scotty and phases of LeBron's career. Oh, it's super interesting. Yeah. But anyway, all right. So let's, let's shift to Jordan though. Because Jordan and baseball, you were troubled by this. But I was surprised – and maybe it was just a little revisionist history that trying to make him look good, but he was, he was a decent minor league baseball player with some upside. And then hit 202 else. with 51 RBIs. They're yeah, saying yeah, to yeah. do that, to jump to double A mm-hmm. after not playing since he was 17. Yeah. Yeah. was unbelievably impressive. Right. That, and I forgot who, yeah, Terry Francona is his manager. I mean, he right. won. <laughs> Come on. Oh think, about, think about the coaches that he had, at least the last two coaches, Phil and right. Francona. Right, right. After Francona went to go win for the Sox. But they said 1,500 more at-bats, he would be legitimate utility, probably yeah, utility. He'd be, like, he'd be like a bench player sure. in, in the majors. Yeah. Rangy. Yeah. Supposedly, I don't know if he had a seat of an arm, but it seemed like he had a strong enough arm. He'd be like a Pete Myers of Major League Baseball. Yeah, exactly. And he but, didn't want to. He didn't want to do that. He didn't want to cross the picket line. 
and he worked through some of the tragedy of his father, which is a huge part of the Jordan narrative, as again, as presented by Jordan, but it does seem like there's there's definitely some truth to it. Like the he's playing Seattle in '96 in the finals. Yep. Let's talk a little bit about that series. Yeah, the '96 finals. First of all, to have that team win 72 games mm-hmm. in the regular season, mm-hmm. the best part of the show when Will Purdue is talking to Scotty and looking at the schedule. And Scotty says, I don't think we're going to lose a game for three months. Yeah. That was just not – that was just a fact. Right. They were that good yeah. and ready and on point. Almost like when they came out of that series after losing to Pistons and they were ready to take over the world. Right. So that team, that left Shrimp, Kemp before he oh. – a little bit where he still had his, where he still was serene, man. He's like a still a man child, right? He's the still tail man-child. end of man child, yeah. Peyton, who is like very few players can win defensive player of the year as a point guard, yeah. And George, George Carl, and George Carl, and to not remember the series where you had the defensive player of the year, but for three games was not guarding Jordan. Oh my God. It's just like a crazy thought. And then you have the and, Carolina and, connection to George Carl. And the reason why Peyton wasn't guarding, and I, the funny thing is, but I remember correctly, Peyton averaged like 18 points a game. Yeah. So he didn't want him to guard Jordan because he didn't want, to, he didn't want his offensive game to get yeah, to 18 points. But I mean, he was not a tremendous offensive. No, like, he wasn't not a great a sh- outside shooter. He wasn't a shooter at all. You know, herky jerky layups. I remember yeah. out of Oregon State. So, but a, but a competitor and a guy who could run his mouth relentlessly. And that was the other thing. Jordan talking about talking trash because we talked about that last episode. This yeah. episode, he started talking about the B.J. Armstrong, LeBradford Smith, LeBradford Smith. I might have, uh, uh, if I ever had a fake ID, my. Might have been the Bradford something. Might have. It's pretty good. But like, My middle name is Bradford. And La, La is classy and French, right? So, 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 so it all works. But, uh, but my God. And then Jordan talking about, it's the same thing I was saying, where like there's certain people you talk trash to to kind of assert your dominance over them and like crush them. There's certain people you just don't, don't talk to Mike. Like you are zipped when you're playing Jordan even though you want to talk to him because you know he's talking to you, but just don't give him any motivation. You want to be invisible. And then to see Jordan laughing at Peyton, Peyton's still talking. And, and like, and for the thing is Peyton does have that narrative. He still doesn't know what would have happened. He doesn't know. The three games that he guarded Jordan, cause they won, they won six. Jordan scoring average went down. Yeah. Field goal percentage went down. Mm-hmm. He was just a much less efficient player. I mean, five for seventeen, six right. for eighteen. Right. He guarded him well. Right. But still, Jordan can only like scoreboard. Right. Yeah. I got the trophy. Yeah. I don't remember all that. And they won on Father's Day. Breaks down crying. You know there is, it's some powerful stuff. And then on the other side, you have we're setting up for Reggie Miller. Episode, Which is going to be awesome. Reggie Miller, episode nine. And then a little anticlimactic in terms of the Utah series, right? So I'm not sure what other wrinkles they're going to bring in. Because they brought in the supporting cast. Like we, Steve Kerr getting punched. Punching 
Jordan and getting punched back. Punch him in the right? chest, get punched in the face. You can yeah. take a punch, which is tells you a lot of why he can handle the Warriors yeah. and why he is the way he is with Draymond Green. And, and Jordan apologized. So Jordan very seldom apologized. He calls, he realized I screwed up. I'm going to apologize because he knows I may be a bully, but I shouldn't be bullying the, the, the smallest guy on the court. I shouldn't be physically bullied. Like his bullying was typically psychological intimidation oh. and, and, and dominance. Like, and that's why we got to talk more about what he can learn from as a manager or as a leader. Cause like, He's a wartime consigliere. He's winning because it's war. He doesn't care. Like, if Jordan had an HR department, he would be suspended immediately. Like, you're not allowed to operate that way. Yeah, but what you learn, if you, it's just all about advocating for yourself. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will cower. Yeah. A lot of people will speak up and then maybe it doesn't get hurt. But if you advocate for yourself, which is what Kerr did, had confidence enough in his ability and what he was trying to do. Yeah. Jordan have respect for that. Right. Managers will take a lot. They will ask a lot from their team. Yeah. Sometimes with blinders, not realizing they're star performers or they're milking dry. Right. Person that will step up and say, you're crushing me. You need to have a different perspective. Here's what I need. They actually become partners versus a manager employee relationship. You know what I'm thinking? Jordan. You know what I'm coming to from this too? And I think Kerr is an interesting example of it, but from the nineties bulls, the management lessons are more coming from Phil. What did Phil do? Yep. And then if you look at the LeBron era, which is also the Steve Kerr era, by that point, what was LeBron doing? And, and it's still the Phil remove that Steve Kerr had. Steve Kerr learned from Phil and Popovich and then was able to lead a team. By the time we're in the teens and it's LeBron and Golden State, you need a you need a Phil like sensibility to win, but I think what's interesting is that the players are no longer Jordan like. Like the players are no longer dominating. Because honestly, I do think the quality of his cohort there was a, especially once Barkley was gone. Once you get to the second phase, uh, Elijah Wan's not making it to the finals anymore. After maybe the '96 Seattle team, there's not that the, the quality. And I, I'm a Knicks. We lost uh, in the world championship, and we lost. We lost in the world championship of uh, hoops. Yeah, that's why we had to. We had just watered down pros. We were we were laughing yeah. on our national stage. So yeah, we yeah. went into we went into a dark phase until the Lakers came back and we went right. creepy. But also t- until well, first Jordan came back and saved the league, though, right? Because had he not come back, had they not crushed through that run, and then especially culminating in beating, I mean. How easy was it for all of us to root against Utah <laughs> when Jordan was trying to win his his last dance? Everybody by that point was rooting. It was like the last episode of Seinfeld. Like it was like right. we you had to be behind him, even if you had a little bit of haterade earlier on. Tons to talk about. We could literally go on and on. So <laughs> if, we, if we can get more time, we will. But uh, but this has been a ton of fun, Tarlet. Always a pleasure. We got to get more of this in. Because we're winding down, you know. I don't know yeah, how. I don't know how we get it all in. Any parting, parting shots, final, final thoughts for this? We may get more, but this might be all that all that you get. Final thoughts. Bring some tissues on Sunday. Oh my God! Not a dry eye in the house. Tarlin Ray running it back. 
we can't this can't be our last dance next week this this there's too much magic happening here hopefully y'all are enjoying it we'll continue to to run it back through the last dance and we'll explore where this goes afterwards thanks again for listening